The world needs leaders, especially during times of uncertainty, but not just any leaders. It needs you. Welcome to Woodlawn. We're glad that you're here today. I've missed you. Glad to see you. And we want to welcome those worshiping with us online. We're so happy that you could be a part of this service today. We want to welcome the parents of the students who are here. We're so happy to have your children or students or youth or whatever you call them at your house here with us. They're a great benefit to our church and a great addition. We'd like to just keep them here year-round. Would that be okay if we just kept them here and y'all could come here and be with us as well? Yeah, that's right. We're in the third part of a four-part series. We're talking about biblical characters in the Old Testament. And today we're going to be talking about David. We talked about Daniel. We talked about Nehemiah. We're talking about David. And next week we're going to talk about, I'm not going to tell you, you have to come next week to find out who we're going to talk about then. Now, a lot of times we have people who move to the area. They come and find our church. They join. They're so excited to be a part of it. They love the church family, and then they get transferred somewhere else. When that happens, they come to me and they say, we're so sorry, we're so sad, we're grieving because we have to leave Woodlawn. We hate to leave this church. But I tell them, you can watch us online, you can worship with us, you can be a part of the church family, you can have small groups wherever you are and participate. Oftentimes people get sick, and they come to me and they say, we're sick, we don't know what the future holds, we're concerned. How do we face the future? Other times, people have a death in the family, or maybe they have a death of a loved one, and they come along and they say, how can I go forward? What can I do? How can I face tomorrow? Well, today we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about facing the giants that come our way in life and how God can help us through that difficult time to get to the other side. How do you face the giants of life? This morning, the sea that you're sailing on could be very, very calm, but you never know when a storm is going to pop up. And when that happens, then you've got to find a way to make it through, to be faithful to the other side. How do you face a giant? How do you live victoriously when it seems like the world around you is crumbling? Well, here I want to give you a pattern or a formula today. One of God's chosen people. David used, and if you and I will follow his formula, we can be victorious against the giants of life. No matter how big or how small they are, we can see victory. Now, the story of David and Goliath is a fascinating story. It's in the Old Testament in 1 Samuel chapter 17. I hope you'll go home and read that chapter for yourselves this afternoon. The entire chapter, it's a wonderful story of a man of God who had faith against incredible odds. Now, David was one of eight sons of Jesse. His brothers were away at war fighting the Philistines. David was a shepherd boy. He was something of a runner. His father would give him food. He would take it and carry it to his brothers out there in the battle, and he would check to see how things were going. They went out there, and the Israelites had one mountain slope. The Philistines had another mountain slope. And right down in the middle, there was a giant by the name of Goliath. The Bible tells us that Goliath was over nine feet tall. He was dressed in an armament that weighed 200 pounds. 
On top of that, he had a bronze helmet and he had iron leggings. He had a spear that was six feet long and the tip of that spear weighed 25 pounds. He had a huge shield in front of him to protect him and there was even a little man in front of him with a shield that would protect him as well as he went into battle. And this guy strutted down into the valley and he said to the Israelites, send down one man to fight me. And whoever wins the battle, then his army and his country will be victorious. And let me tell you, you're never going to face a bigger giant than Goliath. The Israelites were scared to death. David showed up, checking on his brothers, and asked, what's happening? They stared down into the valley, and they said, he's happening. That's what's happening. And he saw Goliath down there. And David says, who is that uncircumcised Philistine who is taunting the gods of Israel? And they started to tell him who he was. And he said, well, who's going to fight him? And they said, well, we really don't have anybody right now. And David said, well, then let me fight. So they carried him to Saul, who was the commander of the army. And Saul looked at David, and David said, listen, I can fight him. He said, well, how do you think you're going to fight? You're just a kid. David said, let me tell you, one day I was watching my father's sheep, and a bear came along, and he took one of the sheep, and by the strength of God, I was able to defeat that bear and kill him. And then one day a lion came along and took one of my father's sheep, and with the strength of God, I was able to defeat that lion and kill him. He said, if God can go with me to defeat a bear and a lion, then he can go with me to face any giant that I face in life. And so Saul had a dilemma. Nobody else was volunteering. At least it was a warm body they could send down there and kind of restore their faith in the whole army. And so they decided to do that. Now, when the brothers saw what was going to happen, they said, well, come here. If you're going to go down there and fight, we at least got to put some armor on you. And so they got him over there, and they started putting all this heavy armor on him. When they got all that stuff on him, he could barely stand. He couldn't move. He couldn't possibly go down and fight. He said, take this stuff off of me. I can't fight like this. This is not normal to me. I don't know how to use it. And so they took it off of him. And then he just went down to the brook, and he got five smooth stones, and he put those stones in the pouch. And then he said, I'm ready. And he ran down into the valley to fight that giant. And Goliath looked at him and laughed and said, you've sent a kid down here to fight me. What are you doing? And Goliath said, this afternoon before the sun sets, the beast of the earth and the fowls of the air will devour your body. You see, you thought trash talking was a new thing. It was happening back then in the Old Testament. And Goliath was kind of doing a little trash talking. But David didn't back up. David looked at Goliath and said, you come with a spear and a sword, but I've come in the name of the Lord. And today this battle is his. This afternoon before the sun sets, the very fowls of the air and the beast of which you speak are going to devour your body. And do you remember how this little fella fought that huge giant? He took one stone and he put it in a sling and he started to swing it over his head. He had done this a lot with the, watching his father's sheep to keep the animals away. And then he slung it. And when he did, that stone hit Goliath right there. And he fell down dead. And boy, the Philistines looked down there at their hero. And now they were scared. They ran away. 
Now, I want us to look at five characteristics that David had that you and I can practice in our lives that no matter what giant we face, we can be victorious as well. Today, a little shepherd boy was able to do it. If he was able to do it, you and I can do it too. The first quality is attitude. In life, if you're going to accomplish anything, you've got to have the right attitude. Whenever you face something in life, if you say, I don't have a chance, then you don't. You'll never make it. I've never seen a golfer or a tennis player or a baseball player that beat anybody going into the game saying, I don't think we can win. Nobody ever faces a negative situation from a negative posture and emerges victorious. You've got to have the right attitude to have a positive result. Bishop Edmund Welch died when he was 104 years old. When he was 99, they interviewed him. They came to him and they said, Bishop, do you think you'll live to be 100? You know what he said? He said, I'm sure I will. He said, well, how can you be so sure? He said, well, listen, very few people die between the ages of 99 and 100. Check your records. He had the right attitude, didn't he? He lived to be 104. Now, listen. When David went out into battle, he had an affirmation of what God could do. He'd already seen what God had done in the past. Did you know that we have the whole Bible as an affirmation of who God is and what God can do? And that affirmation is something that's real for you sitting here in this congregation today. We can be victorious like David. Then he had anticipation in verse 37. It says, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of a lion and the paw of a bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. When you and I go into something and we anticipate God's victory, that's when our attitude can affirm who he is and what he can do. And we anticipate that we're a step ahead. How do you look at things in life? When you look at things, do you see problems or possibilities? Do you see obstacles or opportunities. Where you see a stumbling block, other people may see a stepping stone. Do you see a burden or do you see a blessing? Paul said, let this attitude be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, where you look at it through his eyes and there's always a possibility of what can happen. The Old Testament tells the story of how the 12 spies, they sent them into the promised land for the Israelites. They said, we're supposed to take this land, go in and look at it. 10 of the 12 spies came back out. They said, we don't want to go in there. They said, why not? They said, there are giants in that land. They make us look like little bitty grasshoppers. There's no way we can be victorious over them. But there were two of those spies, Joshua and Caleb, who said, yes, there are giants in that land, but our God has promised us that land. Let us go in and claim the land that he has given us, and they did that victoriously. Whatever you face in life, your attitude makes the difference. Then the second thing, your assessment. When you begin with the right attitude, you have to assess your situation. In verse 39, David looked at himself, and he made an assessment. He said, I can't fight with all this armor. He said, get this off of me. It says there, what he said was, I cannot go in these. He said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. 
He, what he was used to was a sling and a stone. And he adapted what he could do so that God had gifted him in the way that he might fight. Now, one of the problems that we face in life is people always want to try to put you into a mold. They want you to do things the way they do it, the way they say it. They want you to act like they act. But, you know, there's no two people alike on this earth. Look at your thumbprint. Nobody else in the world has that same thumbprint. Every one of us is individuals, and every one of us says, you know, I can't do it your way, but I can do it the way God has gifted me. Now, friends, you're not like anybody else God ever created. And you're different from everybody else, and so you have to look at various situations from your perspective. One of the problems sometimes in families is we just try to make other people like us. And sometimes there's somebody different, and it doesn't work out that way. There's no mold to follow. It's kind of like the woman who was talking to her husband. She said, have you noticed the neighbors next door? Every morning, that man next door, he comes out at the front door, and he kisses his wife goodbye. And then as he walks down the sidewalk, he blows her kisses as he's headed to his car. Oh, why can't you be more like that? Why can't you do that? Husband looked at her and said, well, honey, I hardly know that lady next door. <laughs> you know, David had to make an assessment. He said, hey, I'm not like y'all. I can't fight the way you fight. I've got to fight the way I fight. Now, the third thing, there was an assurance an assurance is when you know something to be right. It's when you're brimming with confidence. Now, if you want to beat a giant, you're going to have to have assurance. Look at what David said in verse 45. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Now, watch this carefully. Whenever you face a giant, if you step out there and say, I can be victorious, that's a sure way to lose because you're trying to count on yourself. Giants like to step on people who try to do things by themselves. But if the, in the humility of God, you say, you know, Lord, you and I together make a majority. I can't do this on my own. But with your help, all things are possible. So I'm going to turn to you, and I'm going to ask you to give me the strength to do what I need to do. Then it's very different. When you go in the name of the Lord, there is nothing and no giant you can't conquer. In verse 47, David said, for the battle is the Lord's. You see how he's giving God credit? He's being used by God. He's an instrument of God. He's going to be successful. But he's saying, hey, I didn't do this. God did this. He just let me have a front row seat to watch him work. And I'm so grateful for the opportunity and the privilege I have to be one of his servants. Do you know what God's desire is? It's to say that anything that confronts us, this battle is mine. God says, if you'll submit yourself to me and get out of the way, we can be victorious. I told you just a few years ago, my doctor prescribed Ozempic for me. I'm diabetic. He said, try this medicine. I took one shot, and I almost died. 
I had an allergic reaction. I was in good health before I went to the hospital. When they got me there, they said it could go either way. They told my wife to be prepared. I was in there for 16 days. They had to do surgery on me to correct the problem. I had several things wrong with me. Any one of those could have killed me, and I had four. Plus, I had heart and also kidney irregularity. I had things that were going on that I never had. My whole system was messing up, but they did surgery on me. And, you know, the whole time I was just faithful to God. I said, Lord, I'm in your hands. I can't do anything about this. It's beyond me. We had a doctor from New York, from Long Island, that came in there. It was during the holidays. He was subbing for everybody else. He came in because other doctors were home with their families. He came in on Monday morning. He said, we got to do surgery. I said, when are we going to do that? He said, right now, sign this piece of paper. I signed it. He personally put me on the stretcher. He was taking me to the operating room. I said, how many of these surgeries have you done? He said, 90 to 150. I got a sense of humor. I looked at him, and I said, Doc? Any of them lived? Yes, they all lived. He, he was indignant about that. I said, well, Doc, look at it from my perspective. If you did 150 and they all died, what good does that do me? He said, well, you got a point. But he was able to do that surgery, and over time I recuperated. I was so weak I couldn't stand for more than 30 seconds at a time. When I finally got well enough, I just came back and said hi to everybody at church one Sunday morning. I didn't have a voice very much. I, I didn't have strength. God used all that time to strengthen me and bring me back. Listen, you got to trust God. You don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. I had no clue any of that stuff was going to happen. We celebrated our anniversary, Christmas, and New Year's in the hospital. My wife is still talking to me about that. She said, three of your preacher friends had to take me down to the cafeteria and buy my dinner on our anniversary. She said, we're not doing that next year, so just write that down, bud. Now, there's no place in the Bible where God ever lost a battle. You've got to see that he's always going to be victorious. When asked, you know, oftentimes if somebody says, how are you doing? What do you hear people say? Well, under the circumstances, you ever hear that? You ever say that? Well, under the circumstances, did you know that God never intended for us to live under the circumstances? God says, hey, I want to raise you up above the circumstances so that you can be victorious in life and be an overcomer. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they had an assurance that God was with them, so much so that they were willing to face a fiery furnace and come out victorious on the other side. They didn't get singed. They didn't get burned. They didn't even smell like smoke. Because they had an assurance that God would go with them and protect them. And then the fourth thing we see is action. Now there comes, this is the point where most Christians fail. There, there comes a point after we talk about it and look at it and think about it, then we have to act. That's where many times people don't act. They don't take that step. Now most of the time, if you and I sit down and look at the giant that we're facing, it's just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. David could have sat down on that mountain, looked down there at Goliath, and if he'd stayed there about two hours, Goliath had been 20 feet tall by the time he got through looking at him. But if there's anything to be done, you've got to act quickly. Yes, you do need to pray about it. But don't let, ever let prayer be a substitute for action. 
You see, what the devil likes to do is he likes to take contemplation and intimidate us so that we just sit and think and we never act. Look at verse 48, how David faced it. He said, as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle to meet him. He didn't just saunter down there. He didn't just mosey. He ran quickly down there to face Goliath. When you have something to face, the best thing to do is to face it. And that's what he did toward the Philistine, who was the root of the problem. He acted. I read a story that a mother had written a true story about her son, Ben. Little five-year-old Ben had been to church, and they had been talking to him about giving his life to Christ and what it meant to be a Christian. And he came home, and he started telling his parents about it. And he said, I want to do that. And they talked about it over the breakfast table. And then Ben got up and walked by himself, and he headed up to his room. His parents didn't know where he was going, so they thought they'd better follow him. They went up and looked inside. They thought that he would be on his knees praying. But that's not what Ben was doing. He was putting his Lion King pajamas in his Sesame Street suitcase. They said, Ben, what are you doing? He said, I'm packing. They said, why are you packing? He said, because I'm going to live with Jesus. In little Ben's mind, making that decision was no easy thing to do. It meant that he was going to leave his family immediately to go and live with Jesus. Now, friends, that's action. God, give us childlike faith to take action when you tell us to, and to move forward. Now, the fifth thing that we see is accomplishment. In verse 50, it says, So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. Then David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword, and he drew it from his sheath. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. When they saw that the Philistine champion had fallen, the Philistine army fled. Friend, it's a simple formula to follow. I don't know what you're going to face in life. I don't know what you're facing right now. But I, I don't know what tomorrow will bring. But I do have some good news for you. God did not confine what happened to David just to David. I believe the same thing can happen in your life and mine. When the giants come and they taunt us, the very God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and David, can God can deliver us. If we'll take the right attitude and make the right assessment and have the assurance that God gives us and we'll act, then we can accomplish anything he wants us to accomplish. And listen, the answer will always be the same. The giants will fall. The devil will flee, and you and I will be delivered. And that's something that God promises. I don't know what you're facing next month, next week, next year, but I do know there's nothing too big to be conquered with God on your side. Let us pray. Lord, this may be a story in the Old Testament, but it's not just a story. It's real. It's about real people and something you did through them. Lord, I pray that we might be the kind of people that live a life of faith. 
I pray that you might give us a front row seat to watch you work and that we might be victorious for you, <clears throat> that we might give you the glory, that we might accomplish your purposes. I pray that we might do that in your son's name. And all God's people said, Amen.